It's episode 15 of the Swinford Chats podcast with myself, Tommy Stenson. Myself, Cahal Kelly. In association with the Gateway Hotel in Swinford. So I know, Cahal, this week uh, it's a very special episode of the Swinford Chats podcast. That's right, Tommy. Uh, this week would be the, today actually turns in the 11th, would be the fifth anniversary of the passing of the, the late Connor Walsh. Um, from uh, Main Street. Uh, Connor was a renowned musician, a renowned Swinford man, and uh, was very much connected with it, the Old O'Connor's Hotel, which uh, many of our listeners would be would be familiar with. So, uh, yeah, so it's 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 nice to remember Connor this week, and I know we're going to chat to his two brothers, uh, Michael and Pierce, and uh, a great friend of his, Gary Smith, who would have uh, regularly gone fishing, which was a great love of Connor's. So uh, it, I think it's nice that we remember Connor in this week's episode. So on this week's uh, Swinford Chats podcast, we're remembering uh, the late Connor Walsh, uh, who passed away five years ago this week. Delighted to uh, welcome his two brothers, Michael and Pierce, onto the podcast. You're very welcome, lads. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Carl. Thanks a million for asking us. Thanks, Carl. We've touched. Uh, it's come up a few times in the podcast that growing up and growing up on Main Street seems to be the the the, the destination of growing up in Swinford over the years. You know, we're quite different to probably what it is now. And the two you be well familiar. Uh, you grew up there with, with Connor in uh, uh, O'Connor's Hotel, which a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. Yeah, well, I suppose they would. Yeah, and especially in the week that's in it, a lot of people will be familiar with maybe St Patrick's Day discos, maybe. Um, they used to happen in, in O'Connor's Hotel a lot. Does, uh, does, does memories flashing into my brain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was Tom and Diana yeah. Lavin used to do the, the St. Patrick's Day discos back, back years ago. That's right, yeah. yeah. The old slow set was the gore then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no more than the French discos. I don't know, um, they, they used to happen as well because with the all the French students used to stay around the town, but they used to coordinate with our house that's what used to happen they used to stay in our house the french students used to stay um in different fa- with different families and then we'd have the leaders and they'd all meet up in our house and uh, we'd have then the french discos then they were they were good crack when they happened um, and yeah. i'd be right growing growing up in the in the old hotel there on main street that was a big influence on connor on connor himself and in his music yeah i think so yeah i mean i suppose First start, you had a uh, piano sitting in the front lobby, and kind of he's talked about or he talked about it a lot. Where he would, um, you know, he he played it. It was kind of the backdrop to a lot of our childhoods, I'd say, really, or certainly my childhood. Michael was a bit older, but um, yeah, he kind of never really passed it without sitting down and playing something. And yeah, it was always fairly hectic in there. The door was never really locked. I don't think the door actually was ever locked, except maybe about midnight every night my granny might lock the door um so up until then it was kind of if you were around you might and passing by you come in um so he constantly had people passing him as he was playing so i suppose it was a a good way for him to get used to playing in front of a crowd and and he he taught himself on that piano would that be right pierce uh yeah he did actually and linking it back there to the french students i have a funny memory of um, as I said, like I was probably nine or ten when he was back playing. I think he was he went back playing properly when he was maybe late teens. Um, so I used to hear him playing a lot, and I thought it was decent. But 
I never really appreciated that it was actually him writing the melodies and writing the tunes. Um, and I remember him sitting down one time when the French students had been there and he'd been playing in front of them. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was the Quinns, I'm going to say Regina and Orla Quinn, sitting with my mother, talking to Connor, admiring him um, about his playing. And I remember him telling them that he'd written the tunes himself. And I thought, like, geez, he's some chanter. I don't know why he's playing <laughs> Played off that he's making these songs up. I was like, he definitely isn't. And it was only at that point that I realised, okay, actually, there's something more to this. Maybe he's, uh, like, in a, you know, I was taking it for granted that he was just playing these little melodies where he was actually writing them. So Connor had a real love of Swinford and, and Mayo. As you said there, Pierce, he did kind of move away, but kind of he inevitably always came back, didn't he? And uh, it influenced him a lot, the, that Swinford and Mayo. Yeah, 100%. I think the, uh, I suppose, the fishing was one thing that brought him back a lot. I don't think he was able to do much of that when he was in Dublin. He spent periods in Dublin and he was in England for a while, short, a short period. But um, yeah, I think like music, fishing, football, probably in that order, there was his main passions. Um, yeah, I don't know, Michael, was right now that brought him back to Swinford. I suppose the hotel as well, he, he ended up going back there and using it as a, as a creative space to, to play his music again. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah he, like, was, uh, he was very proud of the hotel then. Yeah, he was. And he pl- he played, like, as you, you were saying, he played piano in the lobby there in the front, which is, we used to call it the front. And it's, it's hence, that's why the gateway has the place called the front, isn't it? Because it's named after after the, the place where Connor that's right, played. That's right. It's named after the album. You've given, given right. it yeah. away. People, people no. used to think that it was more of a mystical <laughs> meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. There's another... <laughs> Another part of Michael to cut from the podcast. Um, but uh, no, Connor used to uh, constantly uh, be playing the piano, but he did. But he wasn't only just playing the piano, and he wasn't the only one playing the piano. Like, he, I remember when he was um, much younger. I can't tell you what age he was, because I don't remember either what age I was. But when we were kids, we went away to a hotel in Bundoran. I don't know, is it the Great Northern Hotel in Bundoran? Is that right? Um, but we went away, and I remember one time Connor just sitting uh, in the bedroom that me and Dermot and Connor had to stay in because the kids were small. Pierce had to have his Dodie and his, his, his uh, Teddy or whatever. But uh, the uh, Connor was just on the phone, and he was just on the phone, and we thought, what, what is he doing? He was just daydreaming, just tapping out a tune on the phone. So even as far back as that, whatever age he was, then 10 or 11 or whatever it was, he was just always into just creating tunes, creating stuff. We, we we also had a keyboard as well, and we lost a lot of tunes because he used he used to figure out how to program in different tracks and record himself playing different tracks um, on my mom's keyboard when she was you know singing in the, in the choir in in Swinford. So we've there's just lots of examples of him creating stuff and, and being being very creative. And don't forget as well, he played with us in 2006 uh, at Love Fest. So he was on stage with us in, in 2006 at Love Fest. And just to point out as well, because it's interesting, he sang with us. He sang the whole set with us. That's with Horsebox, the headline of Fest in 2006. There's two people from those four that are now passed away. One of them is Parkour. He's dead 10 years this September. Oh, right, yeah. And it's just mad to look back at any of those videos and to think there's Connor singing, Park beside him playing guitar, and they're both, they're both gone. The only surviving members there is myself and uh, David Gallagher. So I, 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 I'd forgotten about Horsebox so Jew Pierce I'd, I'd forgotten about them well, I'm just going to say Michael and Jib are arguably the two most famous <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah actually if you look at the, the comments on the YouTube videos now it's like 
that drummer is my teacher. That's that's what a lot of the comments <laughs> are, believe it or not. That just happens so, when you get older, Michael, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose yeah. one of my uh, fondest memories of Connor is that he was a fantastic conversationist. You know, like he really, when you when you had a chat or a conversation with Connor, it, it could go it could go anywhere. Do you think growing up on Main Street in Swinford and kind of as you said, Pierce, people were constantly coming in and out of the hotel? Did that kind of help there? You know, like it, you're used to obviously talking with people and mixing with people and and being in the yeah. home of the town. You're seeing that everyday yeah. life going on around you. I think so, yeah, because like it, it was, it wasn't exactly a hotel anymore when we were growing up, but it was. Uh, I suppose it had the remnants of a hotel, and it was kind of hanging on to a little bit of a some kind some form of a B and B. And as I said, the door was never locked; it was always open. And being on the main street, people were constantly coming and going, um, and a big family as well. You know, there was like six of us plus our parents and all that, so people were coming and going. So yeah, he. Him being the oldest, I suppose, naturally he uh, was out in front and talking to a lot of people all the time, whether it was people staying in the upstairs in one of the old rooms or, um, yeah, people coming in, just visitors into the family and all that. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that carried through then when he ended up opening the bar um, in 2011. He kind of, for him, I suppose, it felt like a, a natural progression or next step to, to kind of, bring a bit of light back in the place. And yeah, he was using the skills. Um, he was definitely good at, yeah, persuading people to come in. Um, and if they, you know, if they, they, I suppose people enjoyed it. They'd come in to chat to him. And I suppose they were lucky they'd, they'd get a tune out of him as well at some stage. Yeah, like just to add to that as well, all the characters that would have been in the house, like you definitely had to learn something or pick up something from them by osmosis. Like, you know, there was people like like Dickie Mack, like Richard McNicholas down the road. He was always in talking to our granny, Nancy Holmes, always. Like, always, he'd be always coming and going. Uh, Mary Convey would always be in as well. Like, just different people that were around the town that lived on the main street as well would come and go. Um, I, I mean, there's, you know, loads of other people who were like that as well. But we all picked up from those people, just different, I suppose, quirks, different perspectives that are just interesting and, you know, stories that are entertaining, maybe, you know. I didn't know Connor, and I I was getting to hear of him um at, at that time, but um I I suppose I get a sense that he was a really unique person, uh, you know, just uh, one of a kind, really. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that, and I think a lot of people would have shared that sentiment. Um, and you would have heard a lot of that around the around the time he passed away. That was something that kind of um rung through definitely, and and I think I don't know how you what your view is Michael but I think I probably took that for granted I probably felt like he was that unique person to me but after he passed away so many people would have come out and said the exact same thing um but yeah I don't know what it was there was there was he had some kind of a a, a thing about him I, I like I felt it a lot I suppose after he passed away it was kind of he's the one person you'd um something had happened in the world you know an interesting news story or or, or event He's the first person you think of to turn to to text or ring, and that's something I think I really missed after uh, he passed away. But yeah, he's the one person because he he'd always have a funny take on something that was happening, uh, and abs- no doubt he'd have an opinion, and he wasn't f- afraid to share it either. Um, and yeah, I think people would have seen that side of him a lot more maybe when he was in the bar. Um, you know, he was he was as happy to have people in there to sit down and and chat and debate and argue with as much as come in and buy a point yeah 
Well, I, I mean, yeah, he was unique, but as Pierre says, like, would I have, would I have a different perspective? Like, I, I don't. He was obviously my brother, and uh, like, you know, he was just a part of, uh, you know, of, of every single bit of my a fiber of my existence. But like, he, uh, there's a couple of things, and there's such daft things. Like, but I was so mad. I got a little hovercraft when I was a kid, a little hovercraft to plug in batteries, and it would hover on water. It was just a little fan batteries he took it and put it on the river and lost it and it took him years before he told me and that really annoyed me um and i think I've, i think i think i've brought that up before as well but like things like that he he um I what was i going to say he, go now, yeah do you think, <laughs> I think i don't know i don't know i don't know uh yeah he, but one thing that i think is is re- very relevant and very interesting is like yeah connor had an opinion and everything connor could talk about anything and would be open and honest and just have the a great chat about anything but like, just think about it, right? He died in 2016, it's five years ago. Donald Trump got elected. Brexit happened. Mayo were in two All-Ireland finals since then. Like, and it's the first time I've ever been at an All-Ireland final. It was in 2016. But the first time I was ever at an All-Ireland final where I said, if they don't win it this year, I really, really don't mind. Because it was the one thing that I would have found very hard to swallow was if Mayo had won only a few months after he passed away. But that's not to take anything away from you know, really wanting them to and he had, it was just and, like he would. And he had, a, he had an absolutely love of Mayo football, didn't he? One of, one of my favourite pictures, I think it was taken in Electric Picnic, is of, I think it's the Mayo Kerry All-Ireland semi-final replay. And there's a picture, I think it's Connor and Peter Glavie listening to uh, the match, each holding an earphone to their ear. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I just, there's something about that picture I, I really like, because it just shows the... What, you know what's going on around them, this huge festival, and yeah. he's tuned yeah. into what Mayo are doing that day. Yeah. The, the, Mayo Sorry, go on, first. I was going to say, linked to that, a story surfaced when he passed away. Someone actually, um, I can't remember, they were visiting the house or maybe a funeral, but they told us that um, they'd been, I think it was Electric Picnic, because that always clashed around the time of the All Ireland semi final. But Connor was listening to the Mayo match on his on a little radio or on his phone, I can't remember, but he was in his car listening to it and he was getting more and more animated uh, as the game was coming to a close. And this person said that slowly but surely a crowd gathered around the car watching Connor listen to the game. Um, it always reminds me of that scene from Malcolm in the Middle where the dad is like a burning man, I think. And he's uh, trying to put up some kind of a barbecue or something and a crowd gathers around him to watch him. But yeah, apparently people were so yeah. enamored by this, this scene of him just jumping up and down the car. And you mentioned there, you know, electric picnic and then, you know, things like other voices and opening for Hosier, like massive achievements, massive, you know, opportunities to get. And, you know, the, t- talk about maybe some of those. Well, it started Pierce, didn't it, with the working class heroes. Wasn't that one of the, the one of the biggest steps really was that was it yeah i mean he obviously was playing a lot of games over time but that was i think the biggest step in dublin the working class heroes yeah that was 2011 i remember um in the mercantile pub in in dublin yeah and that was that was a bit of a a breakthrough for him because he was invited and i suppose it was recognition that you know his peers were acknowledging that he was doing something right um yeah and i think from there there was a a bit of a snowball then he got he started getting invited to a lot of the big gigs and um, he regular at Body and Soul did lecture picnic a few times Casa Palooza and another love story all those big ones so yeah he was kind of becoming a 
kind of definite on the list each year, which was, as you said, it was a, definitely an achievement. Of course, he lo- he launched. Yeah. And not, Sorry, Michael. No, I was just going to say, not a penny to his name for any of them. Like, you know, like it was yeah. that, that was such as the life of a musician. It's, yeah, it's, 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 so it, it's a very tough profession, isn't it? And uh, I know, especially yeah. even at the moment now, where they have no gigs at all. But yeah, it's it's mm. you know, everyone is looking for that big break. But as Connor got to launch his EP just the Halloween, just before he passed uh, the front, uh, yeah, and, um, and then of course there was the tracks uh, he came across on his old laptop that was launched. Was that two or three years ago, Piers? That was in twenty nineteen. Was it two years ago now? Two years ago, yeah. So this yeah. this week wasn't it? It was. Um, it was, it was. Yeah, it was around. That's that's right. Yeah, we were up in Dublin and then down in Swinford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the the first night was in Dublin, the Sugar Club, and then the next night was in the front in the Gateway, um, Paddy's Weekend. Yeah, so that was two years ago now. Yeah, it's mad thing. It's flying by. But um, that was the album. The Lou said, "Yeah." Um, yeah, and I I know the the website is still there, isn't it? That people can, if they want to learn more about Connor and his music. If you, I think if you Google Connor Watch music. It brings you right to the website. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the nice thing about making that album as well, Carl. That we could all, uh, we all had uh, our own separate kind of inputs on it, and we all, we all could kind of participate. Like finding the songs on the laptop. Like there's there's still more. There still is more stuff he was working on. Um, but there was one of the tracks on the album, uh, and I think it's Le Motif. I think it's Le Motif. But um, oh, I've just forgot his name. I know it was just in my head a second ago. Uh, Brendan Canty. Brendan Canty made the video um, Take Me to Church by Hosier, which won an award. But Brendan Canty uh, knew Connor, and he came to Swinford and recorded a video. We, we played it in the gateway that night um, when we launched the album. But Brendan Canty came to Swinford, and it was just lovely because I got to work with him when they were recording that video, i.e. just be involved in the different areas they went to and the different um, scenes that they recorded. And but they went out and they went they went out to uh, Kilasser and recorded uh, the Moy and um, got some nice drone footage of the Moy and some nice drone footage of Milik um, and Old Castle Gates. Uh, Gary Smith brought us out there. So just there was lovely things like that as a result of releasing the album. There was nice ways for us to heal. If you sure, like. and and the scenes from the Moy in that video, Michael, are uh, spectacular. Like I mean, they're beautiful. And the Moy the yeah. Moy was was a very very special place for Connor. Uh, which are obviously connections mm-hmm. in Ballon Island down beside the Moy. He had a real love of fishing. Didn't yeah. he? That's, maybe maybe that's not even strong enough. Yeah. He he was passionate about fishing and passionate about the Moy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He used to fish yeah. down there with my with my granddad, Louis Walsh, who was um, on my dad's side, my granddad on my dad's side. He used to fish down there when he was a kid. Um and uh, I suppose that's where he gained his love of fishing. That's where he st- it all started for him because Louis was uh, Principal in primary school down there, and he was retired, obviously, and he used to go fishing on the Moy, and uh, at Ryan's pool there near Ballylahan, and um, Connor would go down and fish with him. Um, yeah, so that's that's where it started for him. He'd spend a full day fishing, but that was the other talking about things that came from that album, as Michael said. Uh, the lucid, as you recall, was um, used on that kind of Jack Charlton tribute there recently with the second captains. Um, so I don't know if they're a rival podcasters. Maybe we shouldn't talk about them. But uh, <laughs> no, it's a <laughs> different different category. But that was right. amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. But the connection yeah. there, as yeah. Mike said, it was amazing because like that really hit us um, because 
like Connor, obviously it, it was such a weird thing, the way things just came together, blended together. Like it, he was obsessed with fishing, as you said, like it was his, you know, up there with music. And then next was football. And he was such a fan of Irish soccer and Carl, you, you'd be well aware of that. And, and it, like he fell out of love with like, you know, the premiership and all that, but he always stayed close to Irish soccer and loved it. And he was a big fan of, well, not necessarily the, the style of football, but the Jack Charlton era. So for that song to be used as a tribute for when Charlton passed away was was it was really something that else. Um, and yeah, it was one of those moments where it just it, it, it kind of almost felt surreal, like. But yeah, it was lovely. Right, and thinking as well, I think when Robbie Keane retired, was it or he used uh, some of Connor's music as well in a montage, yeah. and it. Yeah. It was known, as you said, Pierce, known Connor yeah. of a virus soccer. It was goosebumps, kind of uh, knowing that connection and hearing hearing the music to those montages yeah. are always yeah. good anyway. But no, but it was yeah, it was yeah, exactly. And, and, but like what, what, a lot of Connor's mates would have said after that that if he'd if that had happened in his lifetime, even one of those videos had happened, oh. Connor would have retired. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I remember him making a comment, a remark to me before. He was waiting on a um, word back on an ad. He'd be his music, his track, one of his tracks being chosen to be played on a an ad for a big, a big company, and it was going to be aired on national television. Um, this is a good few years back, but he said he was waiting on word of it, and it didn't come through in the end. It was one of those things, as is typical in the music industry. It's it's so. Um, you know, things were just pulled away from you at last minute. But he, it, it fell through in the end, but he said if it did come true from, he was going to sit at home, get up early in the morning, just sit at home for the day in front of the TV. And every time the ad came on, he was going to take a drink or, or light a cigarette or something just to, just to celebrate the, the thing. But I think he would have done something like that if he was around for one of those tributes to Robbie Keane or the Jack Charlton. To hear Jack Charlton talk about Ireland's approach to playing football, having watched as he said, I think it was Mexico in 86, having watched the Brazilians and the Argentinians and the, the Spaniards, you know, watching all the, the top teams and the way they played and said there was no way that we could compete with these teams. And to hear this description of football and the way his, his approach was to be a long ball, take a chance, and to hear Connor's music in the background as you're hearing that description, it's just uh, amazing, absolutely amazing. Absolutely, and as, and as you said, that. especially with, with Jack Charlton's affinity to the Mayo and the Moy as well kind of is a is a kind of another another link there you know I I, I don't know I'm, you'd, you'd wonder did their paths ever cross you know I'm sure maybe oh I, I they did yeah because I know that I know they did because uh, on a few occasions uh, John Boland uh, who's in Australia now he would uh, Seamus' son Seamus Boland's son he would be fishing with Connor and Jack across the river and John would be like Hey Jack, and Jack is just like, hey John. <laughs> just, oh, Connor was always amazed by that. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. I, I suppose all these, uh, you know, more recently when his music is used, uh, there's probably a greater appreciation by people for it even more now. But uh, it, it must be nice to feel that his memory will live on in those pieces, in those montages, and the website remains up, and and that so that must be quite nice to keep his memory alive too. Yeah, like I think, like you could look at it in a sad way in one sense and think that, well, he was on the cusp of something big and he could have achieved an awful lot more. And I think he would have, um, truth be told. Um, 
and you know that that's a shame, I suppose that that and a lot of the stuff that's come out since that's been high profile and that that he hasn't got to witness. But the flip side of that is, you know, a lot of us will be dead and gone and not remembered, whereas he'll always live on through his music. So, um, in that sense, uh, I suppose, yeah, you know, just you have to recognise it and be proud of that.
we're delighted to welcome uh, a Swinford man exiled in over the road in Kelchimah, uh Gary Smith, originally from Main Street, Swinford. Hey, Gary, welcome to the podcast. How you doing, Carl and Tommy? Thanks very much for the invite. They're treating you all right over there in Kelchimah, are they? Uh, not too much different from Swinford. Very good, very good. Uh, uh, Gary, uh, as tonight we're, we're remembering uh, Connor Walsh tonight on, on the podcast, it's, it's Connor's fifth anniversary this week. And uh, just delighted that you could come on and join us for a chat because I know your 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 links with Connor uh, go go through a few different a few different routes. Some uh, between Main Street growing up and and the fishing. You were Connor loved his fishing, and the two of you were active fishermen together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose um, we grew up on the same street. Um, we're different in ages. I probably I don't know how many years older it was. Maybe maybe uh, five or six years older than Connor. But um, we obviously crossed paths when we were kids running up and down Main Street. And uh, I suppose everyone went their own separate ways. And I got to know Connor again then in my 20s. And um, we both discovered that we had a, a passion for angling. And that developed then over the years. And we kind of used to go off traveling for days on end, sometimes up to certain secret spots that we had uh, up along um, the uh, the River Clare would be a, a spot we used to go up to and we used to go up and fish a place called the Con Canal. And um, the thing about Connor, as, as you probably knew yourself, Carl, uh, is when you got into a deep conversation with uh, Connor, you know, it, it, it didn't finish it may stop and start throughout the day and he might come back to you with a, a retort or an observation. And, um, you know, that was the thing about Connor is he always kind of viewed things uh, slightly differently to the rest of us. And he had a more kind of socialist view and outlook on the world. And I think he uh, saw the good in everyone. And um, I suppose then just getting back to the Anglin look, he, he loved it and I loved fishing with him because I learned so much off him. And you know, when you meet someone that's passionate about something, it kind of, you nearly want to learn off them because they're so engrossed in it. And uh, that's what I always found with Connor, um, that he just had this real passion that was passed on from his his grandfather, I think, uh, originally. He, they had land down in Ballon Island and um I used to love going fishing with Connor because he'd tell you all these spots and he'd say, this is where my grandfather used to fish. And he always had, uh, Connor was the type of guy as well that was um, a very affable character. So he always knew and acquainted himself with everyone and had the time then to talk and converse with them. So everyone along the river knew him and uh, everyone had a good word to say about Connor. So, um, he was always very welcome at the table. He, he, you know, everyone, you'd strike up a conversation and, and, and it wouldn't be just a hello, goodbye. It'd be how you keep and how's the fishing going. So, um, again, that was a great uh, asset, you know, for getting a bit of knowledge. Absolutely, Gary. I think you really touched on it there. I think a chat with Connor was a chat you, you remembered because he was a fantastic conversationalist. Because he, he re- as you said, he really went deep. But his love for fishing, I remember even from when we were younger, he he just always had a love for fishing and maintained that 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 love for and he loved to pass to try and talk other people. It wasn't something he just wanted to do himself. He loved 
talking about that passion for fishing and trying to encourage other people to get involved yeah. in, yeah, in, the, in the activity itself. He did. And, you know, that was the thing about him. He didn't mind giving up an afternoon or giving up an evening to bring someone out fishing. And, you know, for, for people that, are, that, that may not uh, be interested in fishing, um, you know, I mean, I don't know what other people's passions are, but I mean, you know, if you like uh, fishing, you like the, the, the beauty and the tranquility and uh, the fact that you're obviously going out there to catch fish to bring home, Connor would happily give that up to see the pleasure in teaching someone for an afternoon or an evening down in Callow even or other places like that. And um, that was the thing. He was willing to share his knowledge with you. No questions asked. Um, very accomplished angler, uh, fly fisher predominantly. And uh, he'd happily see you flog a dead horse for three hours and not catch anything, but happy in the knowledge that maybe you got the bug thereafter. And um, that was that was the thing. And there was always good company then as well. You know, so whether it varied from the church, religion or um uh, the government, <laughs> Mayo football. <laughs> yes. um, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Probably the majority of his, his <laughs> there. <laughs> there, was a, there, was, there was enough there to keep you going for a while anyway, I'd say. And I know um, uh, he was a proud member of the East Mayo Anglers Association, the local club here, Gary. He was, he was. And, you know, that was the thing. So we both actually joined the committee at the same time. And, you know, Obviously, there's lots of characters associated with angling um, in Swinford. And Seamus Boland, um, I suppose, another man we'd have deep, long conversations with about angling and the history of angling and, you know, the, the fishing that once was so, uh, I suppose, giving in the Swinford area. Um, so we got involved with the committee and Connor put a lot of time into it and like I said already, you know, it was just so respected by people. Um, people kind of, you know, they certainly um, respected what Connor had to say. He was ahead of his time, probably in relation to uh, conservation measures, in relation to fishing. And I know that the club, um, the club were very, very upset, um, as were all the members when, when, he, when he passed away so suddenly. And um, as a result of that, Kieran Boland, uh, who you may know as well, um, had approached the club and offered to uh, sponsor a cup um, for in, in memory of Connor. And that now is presented um, to the uh, first fish of the year, I think, is, the, is, is uh, the, the successful angler gets the Connor Walsh Perpetual um, Cup. As far as I know, I think that's... Am I right there, Carl? That's right, Gary. And I think it's a real show from the club, as you said, of what, of the feelings they had for Connor and his, and his love of, of fishing. I mean, it's a fantastic memory to, to hold for him. Yeah, and, um, you know, his music... I, 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 I used to visit him then. So he, he, he went from living... You know, you know yourself, you don't need me to tell you, but he... He, 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 he had moved from, from the old hotel in Main Street. Um, he lived uh, down in, uh, I suppose, Milik uh, area for a while. Or, um, he lived there down beside the boy. He lived up near Loch, Loch Arrow. I went up to visit him one time. He was living up there near Loch Arrow Lake. Um, he just seemed to be 
drawn to these kind of places. And when I used to go angling with them and we used to go up to the Con Canal, I don't know if anyone's ever visited it. It's a spectacular place, very eerie, um, just a big limestone mass and uh, a lovely canal uh, flowing through it full of big trout. But it's quite an eerie place. So we used to go out in the in the evening time fishing and we'd, we, we were... Connor was a methodical type of guy, as you maybe remember, and uh, he'd be checking the water level and he'd be checking the wind and the conditions. And I'd get a phone call and I was working in the pharmacy in Kalchma at the time, which is still am. And uh, I'd bunk off work early and we'd head up towards Ballinarobe. Um, Connor, of course, would have maybe picked up a, a sandwich in a in a, um, a, a deli in a, in a in a petrol station on the way and had a recycled cup of coffee there beside him and all his his car full of fishing gear and uh you know we'd start fishing for the evening and we'd take breaks and we'd just chat and everything and they're the happiest memories i ever have of my fishing experiences and i'll never forget them and um i know he enjoyed it too because it was all it was was just fishing it was just you know it was just we were in this kind of i suppose perfect place for fishing and Connor knew how to get the most out of it and we had some great evenings catching big trout and I remember one time I don't know if you remember I think it was his 30th birthday it was certainly one of his birthdays and he caught I think it was either four or five trout that evening and he came home and he took a picture of them and sent it on to me I think the biggest was about three and a half four pounds it was something spectacular anyway I'm sure you've seen that photo He's in his kitchen or something, and he has these brown trout yeah. laid out on a, on a newspaper, and um, that was that was Connor. You know, that was that was that was <laughs> that, that, that was like winning the lottery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They're great memories to have, Gary, and I'm sure uh, it's safe to say that uh, Connor will be delighted with the the ongoing work you're doing in in preserving the Moy. Would it be right to put it uh, that way with the with the Moy River Trust? Um, yeah. Because I know that that's what he was interested in and he would have got involved in the Rivers Trust. So the Rivers Trust is set up a couple of years now and um, we're interested in, uh, in, 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 you know, protecting the, the natural heritage that exists in the, in, in, the, in the Moy Valley. So I suppose, you know, the, the Moy Valley itself, all the water that's in the Moy Valley, whether it be in a stream, a puddle or a river, it all goes into one central point and that's the main channel of the River Moy and it all flows out in Kalala Bay. And uh, really the River Moy Trust is interested in preserving the natural heritage and the environment that exists in it because it's becoming more unique. And the reason it's becoming more unique is because we have a natural heritage in the Moy Valley that consists of small farm holdings and farmers that have not, um, we'll say, their, their farming methods haven't been, um, haven't been too uh, kind of overdone and they, 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 they managed to keep the biodiversity there and they managed to keep the natural beauty without tearing out all the ditches and things like that that can often happen uh, further up the country where you may have bigger farms. So for me, that's worth protecting. And what that has resulted in, Cahal, is it's, it's managed to protect the water quality because the farming isn't as intensive. And, and that was the kind of word I was thinking, trying to think of was the intensiveness of farming. Um, and as a result of that, I suppose, you know, we, we have this jewel that we still haven't cottoned on to the value of it. 
Um, we participated in, in, in the studies now that are done all the time on the value of our natural resources. And some have been done on the River Moy. And there's a huge natural resource there. And it's a great value to us. And the beauty of it is we all own it. And no one else owns it. And it's something that is unique to, to, to the people that live in, in the Moy Valley. And it's something that we still haven't really tapped into the resource and the, the, the potential that exists there. So, you know, fishing is one aspect of it. But if you, if you look at, as I'm sure you, you do because you're in the industry, the, the tourism and the value of bringing people from outside to this area, We've got loads of uh, outdoor pursuits that we could develop along the River Moy. We could have, a, you could hop in in Tubbercurry. You could maybe go on a kayak or a Canadian canoe all the way down to Ballina. It's it's all possible, but it's only possible if we all get together and make it make it happen. Because, you know, I think for years we probably um, kind of just said, "Oh, sure, let someone else do it," and you know, it'll happen if it's going to happen, it'll happen. But I think increasingly because people have been away and have had the opportunity to get maybe a third level education or travel and see the way they do things abroad. And then they come back to their own part of Mayo and they say, Jesus, we've really got something special here and it's worth protecting for a start. But it's maybe worth developing for for future generations because there has to be a sustainability in living here. You know, you can't really generate maybe the income that farmers used to generate off land. And as a result of that, you've got to look at other options. And I think that's probably, you know, one of one of the passions I have is to maybe look at opportunities that we have really in, in, in Mayo towards just creating something. And then by, by turning to the, I suppose, the resources of the environment that we have around us, there's a value in them. And, I, I find very often that it kind of, you connect more, it makes you feel better. Um, we're all realizing the value of these things now, especially in COVID, the value of going up to the lakes around Swinford, walking down, to, go down towards Callow, go for a walk along a river. We have it all here, but sure, we're, we're just, I suppose we, we need to maybe appreciate it more. If, if anything, that would probably be the final thing I would say in it. Uh, I was talking recently to uh, Raymond Horkin, who's a, a committee member on your uh, on, on the River Moy Trust, and he mentioned that there was probably uh, you know a population of ninety seven thousand people living along the catchment of the river, which is a huge number. But he also talked about education, and you've you've held some great open days where people can you know look at what's in the water and look at the biodiversity. And tell me about some of those. Yeah, so. Um, when the trust was set up originally, Tommy, one of the kind of main things on the agenda straight away was to engage with communities and try and get them to buy in and maybe, I suppose, educate themselves and, you know, look at the, look at, look at what's there. Because very often when you, you know, if, if you're interested in the environment and you're a young person and you're watching TV, you, you see David Attenborough on and you see this these amazing pictures of all the nature that's all around the world and it's teeming with life and it all looks fabulous we have all that around us it's just we don't know where to look so you know all our rivers are still of a a very high quality compared to the rest of ireland and uh, there's a whole load of diversity in the rivers um 
there's a whole lot of diversity in the trees um, that, that the bird life um, there's some of it that has been deteriorated but I think what we what what we want to try and do Tommy is we want to try and tap into the awe of nature in a young child or in a kid and if we can do that successfully and educate them as um, as as kind of as people that are looking at to protect their heritage and their environment, we'll have done our job then. Yeah, and I think it's 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 great work that you're doing. And I suppose it's not just one aspect. There's so many different aspects to your work and trying to get uh, everyone talking that, that might use the river and all the different, uh, the local water authority and uh, Mayo County Council and, and working with the, the fishery boards as well. But um, is what's the state of fishing like for young people in the area? Is, is there a big take up in, in fishing for young people at the moment? There isn't, no. Uh, fishing, uh, I think we did a survey in East Milangers there a few years ago. I think the average age was, I think it was mid-50s or 60. Uh, so I would have been one of the youngest members in the club. Um, so it's pretty poor, uh, the take-up in fishing. Um, but that's not to say that it can't be worked on. Um, attitudes in, in fishing have changed a lot. So more people are interested in conservation of fish and more people release fish nowadays than they would traditionally because they understand that there are fewer salmon coming up to spawn every year. Um, I think as well, another interesting aspect about the, the River Moy Trust uh, is the fact that, you know, if we look at the people that are the custodians of the land and that, that naturally means they are the custodians nearly of the river as well, it's the farming community. And, you know, for too long, kind of farmers were told, oh, do this, do that, um, jump this high and you get this much, uh, putting the carrots, you know, in front of them to, to, to make them, I suppose, uh, conform to, to kind of directives, we'll say. But that now, um, you know, that, that kind of, that attitude has changed a bit, but also farmers are now going to be rewarded for greener practices. They're going to be rewarded more for biodiversity. And one of the aims of the River Moy Trust is that we're hoping to maybe win um, bids whereby we can bring in projects like the Pearl Mussel Project. Um, we're hoping to apply for a biodiversity project along the main channel of the River Moy, whereby we can get farmers to maybe um, be more... Uh, aware of the biodiversity that surrounds them and as a result of that they will receive a payment and uh, make their uh, farming practices more sustainable because really you know I suppose the farming practices in the west of Ireland I suppose it's traditionally maybe a suckler herd it's not that sustainable anymore farmers are getting no more than they did 20 or 30 years ago and of course we obviously are very much aware of the fact that meat factories control the prices of cattle. So um, we can see on the East Coast then that, you know, um, dairy herds and in the South are becoming more prevalent and increasing the, the national herd. So we've got to create something here in the West that's unique. And, uh, you know, we're going to maybe have lower stocking rates in the long run, but we've got to create an income for farmers to make it sustainable. 
Well, I know on the uh, if anyone does want to find out a little bit more about the Rivermoy Trust and the work on uh, March 12th, there's a video series by Mayo Participation Network uh, that's going out on the Mayo.ie platform. And I know some of your members are involved in that. Raymond Horkin, obviously from Calaster, will be speaking about that. So uh, it, it's all about the work of the of the Rivermoy Trust. But before we let you go, uh, Gary, uh, if myself and Cahill were to go fishing uh, on, on the Moy, what's the tip you know the best tip is it patience or what will we need oh, at the right time <laughs> <laughs> rain rain gary is it <laughs> uh, yeah probably the best time to go fishing is uh after a drop in flood and when the river clears up um i'd probably suggest maybe starting around um mid-april uh, beginning of may and um you know i mean the, the thing with it's you know i think people if they want it the best chance you have of catching a fish is when you're not thinking you're going to catch a fish. So um, make the most of it and enjoy it and uh, take in the beauty that surrounds you. It's a great experience, a great way to, to, to relax. I'd encourage anyone who's interested in fishing to contact these anglers. And uh, there's loads of great fishing tackle shops around. Um, in, in Swinford, obviously, Seamus Bourne still carries some tackle. Um, you've got Tiernan Brothers in Foxford. Uh, lots of shops around um, obviously, Cahill has has the hotel there, uh, the Gateway in Swinford, and he does cater for anglers. So, I mean, you know, there's these 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 are people that we need to support, and uh, they provide uh, resources for, for to keep to keep the show on the road. So, I'm sure you're dying to get opened up now, Cahill, after this uh, most recent lockdown. Absolutely, Gary. Counting count the days, hopefully, and <clears throat> as I look forward to welcoming the fishermen back i'm always encouraging them to go out and catch their dinner you know and we we, we cook it for them when they when they bring it back you know yeah. but gary uh, uh thanks very much for for coming on tonight and sharing your memories of connor and also telling us about the great work that you're doing for the river moy it is one of our most beautiful assets we have in our in our community and wider community and we look forward to uh, promoting more ideas on that to come Thanks very much, and hopefully I didn't bore you too much. Um, it was I love talking about this stuff, and uh, hopefully more people get interested. I think you're doing a great job and a great service to the community, and I just want to commend you both on it. And it's it's very professional. Uh, so Tommy, well done, and Cahill, well done, and fair play to you, lads. Uh, wish you all the best. Time for our local news segment here now on the Swinford Chats podcast and Caroline Goonan was in touch to tell us about her daughter Zara Ellen who is raising money this year for Cancer Research Ireland and what she has done is since uh, New Year's Eve she has given up sugar for one whole year. So well done to Zara Ellen and uh, she is raising funds on GoFundMe so you can check out the GoFundMe page if you'd like to find out more about that. So well done Zara Ellen. Not an easy thing to do to give up sugar for one whole year. I certainly couldn't do that. And the weekly Swinford GEA 50-50 draw took place on Tuesday night and the lucky winner this week was Peter Garrity and Ada Killeen. Well done to those two. Uh, the Swinford GEA senior team are holding a, a challenge next week called the Cheltenham Challenge. Uh, the, the fundraiser will take place over the four days of Cheltenham from the 16th to the 19th of March with a first prize of €500 euro, second prize of €250 and a third prize of €150 euro. there will also be daily prizes of €25 euro. if you go to the Swinford GEA website you will find out information on that of how to enter their Cheltenham challenge 
As we mentioned last week, we had some exciting news about St. Patrick's Day and Swinford Chats, myself and Carl have teamed up with the uh, Swinford St. Patrick's Day Committee to bring you a live stream, which will take place on Tuesday the 16th, that's St. Patrick's Eve, but at uh, 8pm on the Swinford Chats and uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade Facebook pages and YouTube channels. And uh, we'll bring you an evening of chat and music. So we do hope that you can join us. And wherever you are in the world, we want you to get involved. So you can send us your uh, St. Patrick's Day greeting messages uh, by video. And you can send that uh, to any of our platforms or, of course, by uh, WhatsApp. You'll find all the details on our Facebook page. Uh, this went for Community Lotto took place on Monday night. Again, there was no winner this week, so the the prize fund now is up at €17,200. The pink tickets are available throughout the town, and all monies raised there goes towards developing uh, projects up there at the Immunity Park. You can actually see one being uh, in play under progress at the moment. It looks fantastic there at the Immunity Park. There's a nice development taking place there, so uh, those pink tickets can be found throughout the town. Earlier on the podcast, we spoke about the Rivermoy Trust with Gary Smith. And I just want to remind you that on the 12th of March, on the Mayo.ie and Mayo PPN platforms, there will be a video released all about the work of the Rivermoy Trust. And it's particularly focusing on a stretch of the Calasser and Swinford area at that stretch of the Moy. So check that out uh, on the Mayo.ie and Mayo PPN uh, Facebook pages and YouTube platforms on March the 12th. Uh, this Saturday, March the 13th, the Swinford Calasser LGFA will host a club car wash for the community at the Amenity Park in Swinford from 9am to 6pm. All donations on the day will go towards a much-needed defibrillator at the Swinford Amenity Park. So if you fancy getting your car washed, that's this coming Saturday up at the Amenity Park. The West Autism Group, Jake and Ava Galvin, Thank everyone for their support and generosity over the February 50 in Fev for RPM West Challenge. They want to thank everyone for the support they received and wish to acknowledge how lucky they are to live in such a supportive community. Uh, just a reminder again, uh, if you wish to support the East Mayo Greenway group projects to, uh, to develop a, a much needed greenway in the area, uh, develop, submissions need to be made to the Mayo County Council who are currently developing the Mayo County Development Plan. The deadline to get your submissions in is next Tuesday. I know there's postcards are available throughout the town. So uh, if you want to get a postcard, we'd encourage you to send one in as soon as you can to Mayo County Council. Uh, You can get more information on their Facebook page, the East Mayo Greenway Group. And if you contact anyone there, uh, they will let you know how to send in the postcards. And please, if you are in favour of this project, we would ask you to make sure you get your submission in because obviously the more numbers means the more pressure on Mayo County Council to include it and develop this project. On last week's podcast, we brought you a new segment in the run-up to St. Patrick's Day and of course, while Shachtan the Gaeilge is running. It's all about learning new Irish phrases. Well, Grainne Gleeson is back to teach us a few more this week. La Fela Padraig Hona Ditch Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Banakti Nafela Padrick Earth. The blessings of the feast of Patrick on you. Slancha. Cheers. Gunairi on Thod Lath. Good luck. It's fair on Slancha, no on Thancha. Your health is better than your wealth. On Rod is Anam. Is in
The thing that is seldom is wonderful. Near Vrish Fokalvai, Fiacal Reeve. A good word never broke a tooth. Nilain Tinthon, Mar, the Hinthon Fain. There's no home like your own home. And that brings us, of course, to the end of episode 15 of the Swinford Chats podcast. Yeah, thanks very much. I hope, I hope you uh, all enjoyed uh, listening to this week's podcast and where we, we got to remember the late Connor Walsh. Uh, I suppose this time every week now I go to my, my weekly question. Which is in, you, know, you don't understand the pressure I'm under, folks, each week to try and come up with, come up with a question. But uh, something does pop into my head usually, so... Uh, yeah, I usually go with that one. So uh, last week I, I said to Tommy that uh, he noticed that Swinford has quite a lot of uh, three-story three-story buildings for a town like Swinford, and I said there was a, a good reason for that. Now, uh, I have a funny feeling you know, there could be a bit of a kickback to me on this when I give the answer that I'm going to give. But uh, we'll see what Tommy has found out first anyway, and we'll, we'll see what, see if he's on the same page as me. Well, look, I, I have bad news this week because unfortunately I, I haven't been able to figure. Well, I look, I did get one answer, but I don't think it's the answer that you're looking for. But look, I'll tell you it anyway, Cahal. Uh, and I got a little help again from, from Tom McNulty on this. Uh, Tom was saying to me that the reason for three-story houses in Swinford is because the plot were freehold. Therefore, people could build large houses safe in the knowledge that they could pay ground rent so not to be evicted. And a couple of people liked that answer on Facebook. So, you know, I think I could be right, but we'll see what you think of well, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying for a minute here now that Tom is wrong but it's not the answer I was looking for as as, <laughs> as they say so the answer I was looking for is that my my, uh, my understanding is that Swinford that they, there was a deal with the landlord said that anyone who built a three story house uh, got the roof paid for okay so that when they were building the house if they went three stories that the landlord would have been the Brabsons at the time paid for the roof no, I'm I'm quite after after hearing Tom's answer. It it sounds good as well. So uh, uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe people can get back to us, and uh, I'll have, maybe have to do a bit of research and make sure I'm right. I but feel that's like the I was looking for. I, I feel like we need that person, you know, on on countdown where they have the dictionary, the dictionary corner. I feel we need a kind of uh, corner for someone the to refer to. Yeah, someone, yeah. Someone to refer to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so as I was saying, I've been thinking about this week's question now, and there's one, I suppose, the week that's in it. Uh, looking forward to celebrating St. Patrick's Day in any way we can uh, next week. And I suppose we've mentioned before, it would have been the 70th um, mm. anniversary of the Swinford St. Patrick's Day Parade, which for a town, again, the size of Swinford is a remarkable achievement. And uh, But unfortunately, last year uh, and this year, we, we, we've been unable to hold our parades so I'm going to ask you, when before, uh, say, not including last year and this year, when was the last time Swinford had to uh, cancel their parade for Saint, on St. Patrick's Day? Okay. And for what reason? Okay. You know, so that's... that. I'll go back these, on the history these, books. These things come into, they, they, they come into my head. So as we were talking about our, our plans for St. Patrick's Day earlier on the podcast, uh, that, that's, that came to me. Yeah, so... I'll I'll, I'll go back in the history books. That's your homework now for this week. Although I know where you're going to be very busy getting the plans together <laughs> for for our online celebrations next week. But, I think uh, I'll have a new nickname for you, Mister Kelly, the teacher, the educator. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. 
I wouldn't last five minutes in the, in the classroom, I'll, I'll tell you that much. Look, but, it uh, could be when, so, when uh, the restrictions lift, Cahal, you know, I have the, whether it be learning an instrument, whether it's going fishing on the moy, maybe it's Cahal goes teaching or something like that. Yeah, you never know. Uh, it'll definitely be easy. Well, no, I wouldn't say easy. Easier might be the wrong word, but uh, it'll be, uh, I, I chance it more than some of the other tasks you're trying to give me each week. Uh, definitely did the dancing from last week's <laughs> episode anyway. Um, so folks, we well, hope you all enjoyed uh, tuning into this week's uh, podcast and we're delighted and we're really uh, appreciative of the messages and interaction uh, you do with us each week and uh, I know you can on all the various channels, isn't that right, how many people can interact? Yes, that's right. You can contact us across our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or email us at swintfordchats at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you, of course, that you can like, share and subscribe as well. Don't forget that you can join us at 8pm this uh, Tuesday night. That's uh, Tuesday the 16th on St. Patrick's Eve for a very special live stream to celebrate our National Day. So until then, do take care. But for now, we're going to leave you with a track from Connor Walsh.